Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. We have a guest, Joe McGee, who is a filmmaker, producer. And before I introduce Joe, I just wanted to tell everyone how are you doing? And thank you again for listening to A Gift from Adversity. If you have any questions, please uh, type any questions. And also, it's going to be available on anchor.fm after this live and on Spotify as well. So I started this program because A Gift from Adversity is my book that's available on Amazon, Barnes Nobles. I published it in 2020 in hopes of advocating for other people who went through adversity. The subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. I have experienced all of these, and I decided to write about it. And response are really great, but um, it's very sad that a a lot of people went through all these adversities. But I, I felt really compelled to create this show where people can talk about adversity specifically and share how they overcame their adversities and empower other people. So Joe, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Joe, please tell us who you are and then what you do. Absolutely. So my name is uh, Joe McGee. I'm a um, accidental author and an accidental filmmaker, and we'll kind of touch base on both of those uh, uh, topics. And um, so basically, I'm a writer, director, producer, actor, um, DOP. Uh, So I wear many hats. Um, I am a founder of McGee Productions. Um, It's a film company here in New England. And we've been basically, my tagline is turning novels into films since 2017. So kind of, uh, we'll rewind for a moment. How did we get to that point? Well, um, in 2016, um, this book, it was self-published and it's now um, uh, traditionally published. It's out there on Amazon. It's called Leadership Lessons Inspired by a Six-Year-Old. This was my first nonfiction novel, more in the leadership management spectrum. And um, what we did is after I published this book is we did certain... um, video reenactments of chapters of the book and that's kind of how i fell in love with filmmaking is i saw my um my work come to a come come alive and that was just fantastic but what the premises of the book is is something beautifully happened in 2009 is i became a manager and i also had the birth of my first child so oftentimes in management there's no operation manual how to be an effective uh, manager so how do you do that so i felt that there's a lot of transparencies between raising children and raising corporate teams. And I kind of uh, used the simplicity of that mentality in my, my workplace. And it was very effective. Um, I got a lot of recognition in the corporate world um, in 2009. Um, we'll kind of talk specifically about examples, but by using these practices, I was recognized by the CEO in a town hall meeting. I was able to get the CEO to actually come to our, um, um, we're talking about a Fortune 500 company here, and they actually he came and actually shook hands with my with my peers, 
and spent the time all about me just talking to him, what we're going to do, increase morale. I mean, how often do you as an employee have the opportunity to not just, you know, see your CEO, but meet them, ask them questions? I mean, that's big. So uh, that's something that I, uh, I really took and, and just went with it. And we can talk a little bit about more examples. But before we do that, if you had any, uh, any questions on that, before I dive into that, I'm open on that. Great. Well, thank you so much, Joe. And how do you like filmmaking? Yeah, you know, it's 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 a beautiful thing. Is uh, there is some um, challenges, and you have to fight through adversity. You have to be quick on your feet. I'll tell you a quick example. Uh, this happened, um, I believe, in 2019. I'm very meticulous, right? So if I have a location or a vehicle, I want to be sure that's booked months ahead of time, and, and it's all committed. So there was a scene, an exterior scene. We were doing in Connecticut, and I had actors from all all walks of life. I had a um, an actor from Pennsylvania driving about five hours, right? Um, and the car that we were using was a convertible, but the only caveat to that was is if it rains, he can't come. And guess what happened? It started raining. Here we are, the day of the shoot. Well, what am I going to do? I got an actor in PA. He's here already. I got all these actors kind of emerging here. I got to do the scene. I thought about canceling it, but I, you know, I got my people here. That's just a mess. So you got to think quick on your feet. So I did have a backup plan where I was going to use another um, car that would kind of um, fit the scene. But I wasn't really happy with it. But here's the miracle thing of it is I was on the way to the set. It's an exterior set outside of um, a building. We shot inside the building, but we don't have access to the inside. The owner said we could use the exterior. He wasn't there. So on the way to the set, um, I'm about five minutes away. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm a guy. I have to pee, right? So I go into this industrial park, and I kind of find an area. I kind of park off to the side. I do my business. As I'm leaving, this is the kicker. What do I see on my way out? A sign, a beautiful classic car. I don't know this building. I don't know these people. I approached the gentleman. His name was Ray. After talking to him, told him what I was doing. Am I literally filming down the road? I would love to showcase your beautiful car. Because you got to remember, when you're talking to other people, it's not about you. It's a mutual gain. You got to really pitch it correctly, pitch it appropriately. And he he was all for it. So in two two minutes, I had a replacement car, and I fought through that 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 trouble time. That could have been a disaster, and it worked out well. So there's moments of of just you know um, really happiness, and there's going to be struggles like that. But I, I worked through it, you know. So I, I just love things like that, solving problems. Yes, absolutely. So thank you for sharing what you do and sure. you know some of the moments. But let's actually focus on the main part of our show, which sure. is to talk about adversity. Yep. So even business or personal life, what was your <clears throat> adversity that you can share with our Yeah, audience? I'm going to actually uh, refer back to my book. And this story is uh, how I fought through adversity in the workplace where um, you know, I have a new team um, that I'm actually managing and I'm a younger guy back then. I'm still, you know, I'm not, you know, too old now, but, um, you know, I was in uh, my late thirties and these, these folks were, you know, 67 years old and you really got to get them to respect you. Um, and one of the ways I did that, was I applied my practices at home and I brought them in the workplace to give you an example. What had happened was, is there was a time where my daughter uh, found the pearl necklace and she decided to give it to her teacher. Teacher wrote a note says, you know, hello, Ursula, thank you for the pearl necklace. Now we can be sisters. <laughs> but I didn't give her a pearl necklace. So I went through the teaching of, of teaching my child 
uh, basically the techniques of, you know, this is something you can't do just because someone's not wearing it. It's not yours. And I developed off of that theory, I developed something called the LTA principle based on that concept through the teaching of my daughter. She went to the school, you know, did a lesson. L stands for learn it. T stands for teach it. A stands for apply it. So I bridged the sim simplicity of, of uh, my, my daughter's struggle and what had happened, and I brought it into the workplace. And what we did is in the workplace, the L was learn. I know my team, so I know their weaknesses. So let's say uh, Agent A, you know, he's terrible at, let's say, PowerShell, a, a computer uh, program, right? I know he can't do it, so I'm going to purposely assign him PowerShell, and he's going to learn it. How is he going to learn it? He's going to study it. He's going to take off phone time for a call center. He's going to learn it by asking the SMEs, the subject matter experts, what PowerShell is. He's going to do a PowerPoint. Now, a lot of these folks that are technicians, they don't have any computer skills. So they're actually gaining skills by going through this process that they never did a PowerPoint before. They never spoke publicly in front of others. This is, this is fantastic. So now they're learning it. The second piece is teaching it. In an informal meeting on the floor uh, through my peers, I'm assigning that individual to say, hey, here's your PowerPoint. Go over the topics. Go over all the common calls. Now they're they're applying that to the team. So now they did the L. Now they did the, uh, the T. Uh, learn it. Teach it. Now they're going to do the A. The apply it is in the lab. They're actually going to physically take that program and do a lab exercise in front of the team. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going through the adversity of of managing my, my new team for the first time based on the teachings of raising children. And they are overcoming adversity themselves because they're public speaking. They're gaining uh, informal training, not formal training, but training that I'm putting upon them. That's just a beautiful thing. And that's one of the things that I cover in my book is how to really break through those cycles. Wow. So what, how did you feel inside when you were going through these adversities? Yeah, you know, it's, it was uh, challenging. Uh, like I, I alluded to before is uh, oftentimes now there's a big misconception in, in the corporate world where a leader versus a manager. Now, a leader can be anyone. You could be a leader. I could be a leader. You have those qualities. But a manager is really just um, managing others and um, leading people to be better. And, you know, I was going through a learning curve myself, but uh, when I started seeing everyone, you know, connect, all of my peers, they're connecting through my guidance, through my teaching. I mean, that's just not only self-rewarding for me, but it, it, it really speaks to that they're respecting me. They know that I can lead them to get to where they want. Um, I'm giving them skills that they never had before. So for me, I think seeing that I think is self-rewarding for what I'm doing. And, um, you know, and not, and, and just because, um, I'm a younger, uh, manager, you know, they even told me they, they never had, you know, um, a manager like me, I was so different and, and, and leading them in informal training. So to hear that, um, you know, input from them was self-rewarding for me too. So, and I just kept going further and further and further. And, and it just really led to individuals, you know, getting awards and going this way or going to this, they want this job. Okay, here's what we're going to do. So it's fantastic to see. So you said you're young. Were you like, how old were you? Uh, so 2009, uh, we're talking, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I was probably uh, you know, just around, you know, 29, 30 years old, somewhere around there in corporate world. And, um, you know, these these uh, folks are, you know, much older, um, you know, more wise in, in, the, in, the, in the respect of they've been to different places as an individual contri- contributor, not as a manager. So they would rely on me. But oftentimes in the workplace, there's a big, big thing where you have to earn the respect and uh, being uh, authentic is, is real. And um, it took a while, but I definitely earned their respect. So the adversity that you went through was just being kind of a young manager at the corporate world. Yeah, and actually my first time as a manager because I got promoted just because of the same thing that I referred to before is anyone can be a leader. Anyone, you know, you have to really earn to be a manager. So they saw me. I was an individual contributor and my director saw that I can be a leader. I can be more. And they promoted me. And this was my first time just diving into that. And at the same very moment, uh, it was the first uh, birth of my my daughter. So I was using examples at home and bridging them into the workplace as a new manager. That's where I got my, um, you know, my my informal uh, grad gratification to really lead them is through uh, my teachings at home. And um, that that's a hell of a journey, you know. And um, but yeah, they really respected that, and I really came a long way from from doing that. Yeah, so I just wanted to share with you and our audience. When yes. I was 18, I was homeless and I found a resort hotel job and then earned some money to come to Tokyo and I started the sales job. And I was 18, 19, selling stuff, like, you know, just like whatever. <laughs> and then um, I got promoted as a, a trainer at 19 and i had people above me i mean like not above me people below me who are older than me and in japan especially we even have a polite word where we have to ask age if you don't know if maybe closer that you have to immediately immediately change the language to a polite mm-hmm. word where we really have to respect the age if you know if somebody is older like even one year older than me now imagine a 19 years old girl like sales trainer, like training or be in charge of people who maybe lost a job in their 30s or 40s, her family, I felt tremendous amount of pressure. And, you know, it was really um, in proportion to myself um, that how I present myself to our team at age 19 reflected my sales and in the team. And that was tremendous amount of pressure ah yes so i could kind of relate to the pressure but i didn't have a child like you for that time but i was you know coming through like you know the adversity and homelessness and then just a lot of kids at that age were going to college and enjoying the college life partying or like no studying whatever i didn't have that i was working and that really added me to feel miserable (laughs) and then it was very challenging in tokyo and uh, you know, your story kind of reminded me of the pressure, like an amount of older people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely right. I mean, it's it's a valid point you make. And, and another one for me that was really hard before I even got to this point is really proving yourself. And there's a lot of others. Uh, for me, I think it was fear. You know, I really I think fear for me really drove me to become better. And I'll tell you why is um, before. I became a manager. I was an individual contributor. I was in a call center. I was crushing it, doing 120 calls a day. 
for a technical support call center and, and the corporate world before I was filming and all this. And, um, and in that particular time, I was doing other things that I probably shouldn't be. But even um, in my performance review, uh, my manager at the time said, Joe, you uh, step outside the boundaries of your job, meaning that I'm, I'm trying to do a manager role. I'm doing my role and a manager's job better than a manager. And, and they see that. They're afraid of that. It was and that fear kind of uh, I saw it, I noticed it and I, I really uh, let it not eat me, but it let, it let me um, feed off of it. So I, I would say, OK, I'm going to show them even more. I'm going to do this, do that. And then eventually the director said, you know, Joe, you're different. You know, we got to you got to make you, um, you know, this is when the other guy retired that I was, you know, really I want to say embarrassing, but I made it a point where to show them that I, I'm better than what you're doing for me. I could do more. Uh, but there's a certain point in your career is when you knew fear, um, you know, got you. You don't want to let it eat, eat up on you because there's a point in time in my career um, that um, I didn't want uh, fear to be a product anymore. I didn't want to be a product of fear. So, for example, in my performance reviews as manager, I was really, you know, very um, aggressive doing, you know, probably 8, 12, 15 things. But the problem that I found was is that these little things were missing my performance review they all have value, but they were missed. So I'm just getting like a, eh, okay, review. So I decided that I wasn't going to care anymore. Not as much. I was going to do my job, but not be so particular on doing, you know, all these things at once. Concentrate on one, two, three things. And guess what I got? I got a better uh, performance review. Um, so fear was something for me that I, 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 I knew it was there and people were afraid of me. And, um, and it just got me to the next level i fought fear and and that's something you got to identify as well so when you're working in a corporate world and then you know the people like some of my friends dear friends are working in the corporate world and you know as a higher up position and you know the personal fear personal life um mm -hmm. things that you have to kind of put your face out there um when you go to work so how did you manage yourself and then those fears and then personal struggles, you know, having the baby and, you know, carrying through the work? Do you remember those moments that, oh, my gosh, like, you know, can I do this? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I do uh, remember some of that. And I think what um, really helped me um, to get through all of that was really um, kind of alluded to a little bit before is um, not taking so much set goals for myself. So. Um, I know like this particular week, you know, they might be, you know, this might be going on or this might be going on. I think for me um, at one point in my career, which I got better at is I was always a yes guy, right? As a manager, I'm going to take on this. Uh, you got to say no and you got to delegate, delegate, delegate this way, delegate that way. So as, as soon as I started delegating, um, there's a lot of relief, a lot of um, less stress in my life. And, um, you know, the fear thing really wasn't in my head as, as much. Um, but I was really, really a yes guy. Uh, you know, I had, you know, four or five different other, um, you know, managers, directors, you know, hey, Joe, do this, Joe, do that. Okay, I'm, I'm being pulled this way, I'm being pulled that way. Well, I got to kind of take it in and I'm going to delegate it to my alpha males in the call center where I know they can take on, you know, these mundane tasks where I don't need to be doing this, you know, send it that way. And I think that really helped me understand that, I got to say no more, um, not no to them, but it, they'll know that, you know, the job gets done by delegation. And I think that really helped me is really not become that yes guy. And then that really relieved a lot of my stress. 
Absolutely. So I just want to share with you and our audience that um, I ran nonprofit for 12 years as a president and founder, teaching music to juvenile offenders in the detention programs. And as a founder and a president, um, I definitely struggled with saying yes and, you know, not so much knows. Now, I went to BU, Boston University School of Management. There was a program called Institution, Institution Institute for Nonprofit Management Leadership. Uh, it was a six-month program every Tuesday. And I learned tons of things. But first thing that we were uh, taught to do was uh, the SWOT, um, the strong strengths, the weakness. You know, uh, so SWOT analysis really helped me where my strengths and where my weaknesses. And one of the things is like um, a manager or like, you know, the leadership position that you feel obligated to do a lot. But mm -hmm. then when you find out what your weakness is, then you start to ask help. So when I had my first son um, and I asked some of the volunteer to lead some of the program for me, and then also my English is not a mother language that, you know, grant writing or sending the newsletters to our donors were not my forte. So mm -hmm. I gave that to another people who are good at it and they found internships, uh, interns, and then um, internships.com and interns and then, you know, all these resources and the volunteers who are willing to help me. And, but the first step is really identifying your weakness and then, you know, what you are good at or what you're not good at. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you hit the nail on that. And I was actually also um, leading a nonprofit organization uh, during my corporate time. Um, there's a uh, organization called HDI, stands for Help Desk Institute. I was the president of uh, HDI for our local Connecticut chapter. And, and for me, I'm a, really good with people. Um, so I would be, um, I'd have a budget. We would do like, you know, uh, meetings for um, basically lunch meetings, not just for my company, but anybody that wants to join HDI. They would get value. There'd be a speaker that would come in. So I would uh, team up with my um, my officers and it would each officer would have a set task. But I was really good about making money, right? So we, we're a nonprofit, but we got to pay for the food, right? We got to pay for the speakers. So I was really good about getting like five to seven, maybe eight, nine thousand dollars a year just from talking to different companies. Hey, my name's Joe McGee. We're doing this. You know, we would love to have you as a sponsor. And I would do that consec very consecutively. And that was one of my strengths is this really um, engagement of, of different companies and, and seeing the value of what we have to offer. And I think for me, um, during that time in corporate, that was another one of my strengths was just meeting new organizations, new people, and, and really helping not just our company, but helping um, individuals, managers, and supervisors to really do different things differently. And we would have, I'd be even speak myself. Um, but that was self-rewarding too, is there's just so many different um, elements that I really enjoyed uh, during the corporate corporate time, definitely. Great, so let's actually give our audience some of maybe the tangible tools that you have used to maybe overcome adversity in the corporate world as a manager. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's just so much uh, uh, wealth I can give you. Um, but like I mentioned before, I would say is, um, you know, identify, um, you know, certain things, whether it's fear for me, um, just recognize it, but find a way to overcome it and 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 get around it. Um, don't be so um, critical on um, you know black and white. You know, being um, think about normalization, right? Like, uh, for example, I talk about one things in my book is um, 
you know, every day should be extraordinary, meaning that, hey, it's my birthday. Let's do something special. No, every day can't be special, guys. So in the workplace, think about that is as you're managing your team or you're managing your people, not just, you know, in corporate world, but any world, think about that. It doesn't have to be a holiday, a Christmas. Every day could be extraordinary. And it's your job to find that day and, and really bring people to you. So that I think that's important. Um, the other thing that's important is um, uh, simplicity. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? If you're trying to um, do a presentation, think about your audience. And I, I joke about this, but explain it to them as if you're if, as if they're an eight-year-old, right? It very, very, you know, not big words because you don't know who your audience is. You got to know who your audience is. If you start going way up here, high level, and they're like low level. You're going to lose them. So know your audience, know who you're talking to and fine tune your presentation, fine tune whatever you're going to do to that um, audience. I think that's important too. Wonderful. Yes. Just want to share one the tip that I got when I was working on grant application. Mm -hmm. And then one of the um, founder sponsors, they told us the one of the important things, obviously, you know, using the hard data, anecdotal data on the ground application, but at the same time, use a language that grandma can even understand or kids can even yeah, understand. Yeah, exactly. Essentially, if you don't understand what you're talking about, they, they're not going to give you money. And, exactly. you know, it's down to the easier way that you can, you know, translate what you are doing. Yeah, absolutely right. I can't agree anymore. I've, you know, Done the same thing is you got to know your audience. You got to know your audience. Yeah, but I like I really like what you said about the birthday and then making every day as an extraordinary day. And you never know when your you know time ends on this earth. And then you know why why not? And as a leader, I think that that sets the tone for yeah. the day. And you know, as a leader, I think it's important. I was a leader, and not just my mental health or like you know my personal life, the strengths. One thing I really learned from sales job at age 18, 19 in Tokyo was I was taught to not bring my personal drama to work. Mm. You have people who are relying on your mood and then relying on your sales and then just the hard data that they're looking for, right? So yeah. like if I bring my personal drama, which was hard as at 19, you have to have like kind of a, we, we have Japanese saying called neko kaburu, which means like a wear a cat mask. In <laughs> <laughs> so that, that means you really have to put like the social mask um, that you have to disguise whatever is going on at home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could see uh, that definitely could, um, you know, if you're down, you're going to bring the team down. So you got to just mask that, that bad energy out, you know, and just be that. Be, you know, you on, on your best day. You know, you can't have that bad day to let everyone see it. And you're right. I mean, you know, I, I joke around, too, is, um, you know, to my team, I, I, you know, I don't like saying it, but, you know, I'm not your life coach. You know, I'm here to support you, but I can't be personally, you know, going over the drama you have at home. You know, let's let's focus on work here. You know. Yes, absolutely. So. Joe, the last part of this show, it's yeah. very a gift that came from the adversity. How would you say the gift that you learned from the adversity that you faced? Uh, you know, I, I think um, for me, I would say, um, you know, I think this is big is um, for me. And, um, and if, if anybody tells you otherwise, they're full of crap. I'm going to say it right now. 
but everyone doesn't know everything, right? So if you think you know everything, think again. Um, your adventure, in no matter what field you're in, you're always going to be learning, right? So if you don't recognize that, you know, you need improvement, whether it's, you know, whatever, it could be this topic or it could be on that, you need to really recognize that, you know, I'm, I don't know everything and I need to work on my whatever it is. And, you know, they need to work on whatever it is. So if you're in that mentality where you go into a job or you're in a job, you're a veteran, and you think you know everything, you're going to fall flat on your face. It might not be now. It might not be two days from now. It might not be a year, five years or 10 years. But if you go through that mentality, you're going to fail. So just be cautious of that is you got to understand that not everyone knows everything. And I'll just say it like that. Wonderful. So, Joe, is there any website or social media that you want people to follow? Yeah, I would say just, um, you know, follow, um, you know, follow your heart as an individual. But as far as following me, you want to know more about me, um, you can follow uh, McGee Productions US. That's my filmmaking. That's my passion right now is writing, directing, producing McGee Productions US. Facebook is facebook.com slash McGee Pro. Um, you can always uh, find my email information on there if you want to talk about leadership management, adversity, um, or uh, filming. Feel free to reach out to me. Absolutely. And then one last question. I know you are working on upcoming film. Would you tell our audience a little bit about it? Absolutely. So Tony Martone, it's a mafia film about uh, Tony Martone. He leads. He's the most respected man in East Providence, Rhode Island. He... Uh, he stumbled upon Ray Amato. The Amato family came onto his docks. Tony Martone owns all of East Providence. He knows his family's moving in. There's a conflict. Um, so we've been trying to film that. The last scenes in November, somebody got COVID. December, somebody else got COVID, one of the actors. In January, we're supposed to film January 15th. I got COVID. So it's like a little curse right now, but we're hoping in March we're going to finalize the final scenes. That'll be out at a premiere somewhere in New England, and then we'll be on Amazon Prime. And then um, from there, we're doing When the Sun Dies. It's kind of like end of the world um, themed. Uh, the tagline is um, save my son, S-O-N, or save the son, S-U-N. So there's a connection there. I won't get into what that is, but the movie for that is save the sun, um, save the sun movie.com, I believe, save the sun movie.com, or McGee Productions at US. So we'll have more information on that. How exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really pumped about it. Yes. Yeah, so I just want to end this show. But before that, do you have any last word for our audience? No, I would say just, um, you know, keep fighting through, you know, those, uh, you know, those demons in the closet. You know, everyone's here for you for moral support. You know, reach out to me, you know, reach out to your peers. Obviously, you have, um, you know, wealth of knowledge as well. Um, your book, Gift from Adversity, tackles many um subjects as well so just uh you know be mindful of what those challenges are and um don't, don't feel free to reach out to somebody that can help you i would say absolutely well thank you joe again for coming to a gift from adversity today yes my pleasure i had enjoyed our talk and we'll see you guys uh we'll see you guys soon